0: All right, well, I'm super excited today because I am talking with my dad who has a crazy story. And I've always been super fascinated by um, what he's gone through in life, but more recently, what he has just recently gone through. So I thought no better way to start this than to start it with my dad, um, whom I adore and love and have a really amazing relationship with. Um, So thanks dad, do you have coffee this morning? I brought myself a latte. I had a coffee and uh, I'll
1: pour myself a little bit more here right now.
0: Yeah, get the coffee going, you know?
1: You got her going, cooking and a brewing.
0: Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. I'm so excited because I feel like lots of people know your past story from your childhood, but not a lot of people know of the current story. So I thought it'd be really cool to talk about um, where you were and where you've come and what you've gone through more recently. Um, I think growing up as a kid, I always knew your story. My dad, we would, he would travel and he would sing these, we would sing with my dad sometimes when he would, we would travel. And one of the songs that he would, um, do was, or was it a song or was it like a story? I can't remember now. Was it a song, little Eddie? Uh,
1: the song, which one was I got the Lord and that's enough. Or was it, uh,
0: no, the one where you would tell your song. story, Little Eddie. Was that a story, not a song?
1: Yeah, that was a story, yeah.
0: Ah, yes. And my, I remember hearing that.
1: My, yeah, I would tell it <clears throat> wherever we would go uh, with, the, uh, with the family. And uh, it was a little testimonial of my childhood growing up and, and how things accumulated and, and how sometimes in school, uh, things went a little bit wrong and uh, <clears throat> but uh, uh, yeah it, it all came together well at the end I'm, I'm grateful that I have been able to from being totally paralyzed to where I am today uh, is truly a miracle
0: yeah it is dad you make me all teary I can I can feel it I was thinking it'd be really cool if we started from the beginning because my dad and I have been working on like writing his story and trying to like um, encapsulate the journey that he had as a little boy, um, seven years old, being in a really bad accident, not knowing if he was going to be able to live, never mind walk or talk or, or live a normal life. So I think maybe we could start there at the beginning and we could whatever comes of it, comes of it. I think the great thing about these conversations that doesn't have to be anything. It can be, we just talk about your childhood or maybe it evolves into where what you recently went through. I think that I wanna create a space where we can talk about all of it and any of it, whatever comes to you, there's no pattern or any um, place we can't visit, um, but there's no limitations of to saying that we have to stay somewhere and only talk about one thing. So I think it'd be really cool to start from you as a child and maybe just like a little bit of who you were pre your accident, um, what happened, and then rolling into like the journey that unfolded afterwards.
1: Right, well, I was I was the oldest of six children born into a Christian family and uh, was born 1954, me the first. And uh, yeah, we were very much involved, I grew up with the family always singing. We'd go to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Grandma and Grandpa Funk lived about a couple, of four miles away. And we would go there um, Sundays, uh, uh, weekends, uh, Easter, Christmas. And we would always have a celebration of singing at my grandma's house. She would sit down by the piano and if, she did not know the song that we tried to sing then she had a gifting where she would uh, we would sing it to her and she would write down the notes in number form. and she and when she we we were done singing the song she would sing it back to us exactly the way we had just using numbers that was something that i wish i would have learned but i never got to teach Mm -hmm. her to teach me that then we would <clears throat> we would uh, have uh, grandma's house. You could always smell the coffee cattle uh, brewing. Mm. She would uh, the coffee smell was always in the house. It was such a refreshing smell. And uh, yeah, then we uh, we, would, we were involved in church. We would go sing as a funk family. We would go sing everywhere, and. Uh, uh we would do um, big conferences singing conferences and it was it was a uh always a highlight for me to sing with my siblings we were, as, as we were traveling from place to place we would sing four-part harmony in the car to the to the best that we knew how and it uh, it it was really you know uh, a, a I think it was a strong way of growing, of growing up. We sang together, we prayed together and we stayed together Until this day, till to this day, we are still very close as a, as a Fung family.
0: Yeah, you are. And
1: then things went on and, and uh, you know I, we got married. I, I met my wife uh, on tour uh, on a Bible school. I went to Nipman Bible Institute. And uh, so I was involved in a male quartet and uh, we went singing everywhere. And we happened to go to a small town called Rostron in Saskatchewan. And and, uh, uh, I met my wife at a a youth meeting Hmm. Uh, and it was interesting how how everything worked out. And and, uh, yeah, she, uh, then we, we did get married after a few months, nine months, twelve months, whatever it was, and and uh, then we started life together. You know, and and young couples always have dreams and 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 goals that they try to achieve and and try to you know uh, work small things out and and, and mm-hmm. learn to get along and and learn to love each other no matter what. And uh, yeah, and then. It came uh, time for us to, uh, to uh, have a family, and, and there were some medical complications uh, pertaining to that. The doctor told us that due to my accident, uh, we would never have a family. and uh, So we, uh, we took that to prayer, and uh, uh, God overdid himself. He blessed us with three lovely children. And we are truly, truly, truly grateful. Plus 10 grandchildren, which yeah. we are proud of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, have a bountiful now.
1: We are. Our quiver is full.
0: So, Dad, take me back to, like, the day that you were coming home from school and you were invited to get a ride in the back of the truck with a couple of kids. And take me back to that day when you were seven. Okay.
1: I remember going out on the... Uh, to the truck it was a I don't know a GM truck of some sorts I believe and I went and asked John if I could have a ride home and uh, yeah I could so I jumped on the back of the truck and and uh, the truck rolled off the schoolyard the truck probably had not I don't know, had five or six or maybe eight kids in the back of the truck and we were driving and uh, then I uh, uh as kids do you know i was involved with chatting and on that I looked up and then i saw that they were going past the corner that i was going to get off and so i um, i made my way to the back of the truck and uh, at about 30 miles an hour i stepped off the back of the truck i don't remember anything after that i've just been told stuff what happened uh, my mother was Feeding the cattle in the nearby field, and and she heard a, ra- a loud ra- ra- raucous, uh, asking the kids screaming for the truck driver to stop driving. Uh, I I was uh, told that my mother had had heard this, and then she made her way after she realized it was me. She made her way to come to pick me up. Mm. At which time they uh, they then took me to. Uh, home and uh, then they got uh, a, a school teacher's husband to drive me, I believe it was Mr. France, to drive me to um, St. Pierre Hospital. And uh, uh, then um, uh, the, the doctors there couldn't, hospital couldn't do anything for me, so then they had me go to the Uh, Winnipeg Children's Hospital. And uh, at that time, the ambulance rides weren't all that Mm. much used, at least not in my situation. Uh, They uh, phoned ahead telling the police that there would be such and such a car coming through, and they were supposed to stop all traffic and let me go through. Mm. Uh, At which time, they then took me to the and at this hospital. point
0: at this point dad so you've fallen off the truck you've hit your head on a on a big rock is that no what it, was, it was
1: on fro- frozen ground it was in november and the okay, grader yeah, okay. had the greater had just gone by and pushed up an edge and i don't know if i fell on the edge or or, or what really happened i just know that that the ground was frozen
0: so blood was coming out of your ears, from what I heard from grandma, out of your nose. You were non very not very responsive, kind of in and out.
1: I was mainly out. And- yeah. I, I, I don't remember anything. I I, I just uh, remember lo- vaguely looking up and them going past my corner. And then I made my way to the back. And uh, a friend of mine that was on the back of the truck, still a friend, Johnny T said, and you just stepped off the truck, just stepped off and you flopped all over and and, and you were non responsive. So yeah, those were some tragic times.
0: So then after that, what, so I remember your mom saying that like, you know, your aunt and uncle had to rush you to the hospital. You're not, you're totally floppy, you're bleeding, you're not responsive um, and they take you to the hospital. And then there's how much time before you came to again? How much time between when you that accident happened that you know they were telling your parents if i remember correctly tell me if i'm wrong that they said that you would maybe not make it or that if you would you would not be a normal child any longer you would not be able to feed yourself or walk or talk are those things that you were told like that your parents were told
1: yeah they they were told when they arrived at the children's hospital that i had only one hour to live that they're that they were going to do a a five-hour surgery or four-hour surgery in one hour. And uh, my mom tells the story of how she took the scissor and cut all the clothes off of my body and just, um, and then said, here, take him, fix him up. And then the doctor said, it looks, doesn't look very good. We don't think he's going to make it, but, but uh, you know, mom and dad, they were leading believers, Christian people, and they'd the church community and they got together and prayed that uh, that uh, God would see this whole thing through. Mm -hmm. It's surprising, after 60 some years I'm still softer on the edges, but
0: But that changed everything dad
1: yeah that did change everything I after the surgery the doctors came to my parents and said that uh, uh, I had made it through the surgery they had my heart was beginning to <coughs> Uh, slowed down and beginning to so, so signs, show signs of, of stopping. They did try something, ex, an experimental uh, medicine, which worked. And uh, my heart started beating again. And uh, then they explained to mom and dad that I had made it to the surgery, that my left-hand side uh, had come back. It, 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 I was not totally paralyzed, but my right-hand side was still paralyzed and uh, and they didn't know if i would ever be able to function as a normal child again
0: yeah
1: they, uh, they said it 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 would take a lot of time uh, but uh, i remember being in a almost in a different state of mind i, I my mind would come and go i i, I I would see my parents, all of a sudden they would fade out and I couldn't see them anymore and then they would come close to me again. And, and you know, I would, I would, uh, um, I did begin to whisper in and the scriptures that mom and dad had taught me as a child growing up and the, some of the courses were coming back. Like I would whisper in and out, like only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. And then the for the verse that that my, my pastor Bill Peters in the EMB Church taught me this verse, and I'll never forget it. And I remembered it then. Philippians four four: Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And, I, and those things began to, to to give mom and my parents hope that that there was, there was some some type of, of healing taking place that that was um, you know a, a god thing mm-hmm. and and then you know I I uh, uh, began to to talk a little louder and I remember walking and walking was a real challenge I, I, I mm-hmm. they would take me in a wheelchair and then they'd try to make me walk and my right hand side I just simply wouldn't respond mm-hmm. and it was so challenging and and then I would notice my mind leaving, and I, I I would say things that didn't make sense. And then I would come back to where, to where I uh, I could think more clearly. And and yeah, it was all all a time a time scheduled process for me to to get back into the groove.
0: Hmm. So you had to learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn how to think again. Um. Do you remember the first thing you said when you came to? I,
1: yeah, I, I, I called my parents by name. Not my mom and dad, but by Peter and Nettie. Mm. I, I referred to them as that. I don't know why, but that's what happened at that time. And uh, But it was mainly a whisper, just a whisper, and, and a mere whisper. And I tried to try to I would try to focus, and and my one eye was all cross-eyed. The right eye was looking way to the left side, and uh, that was also a challenge to to focus with that. And I should mention that they had, if I recall correctly, they had scheduled a surgery for me to get that eye put back into place. Mm-hmm. And and the day day or a week or whatever before the surgery. I, I went and spoke to my mother, and she says, Edward, go look in the mirror. And I looked him, and my eyes were both looking back at me, and they turned back, it had turned back on its own.
0: Wow. Wow, Dad.
1: Yeah, another miracle.
0: You saw a lot of miracles by the time you were seven, hey? A lot.
1: Yeah, I saw a lot of miracles. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm truly grateful. I'm And, you know, the miracles don't stop after a certain age. They keep happening.
0: Yeah. I think, when I think about your life, Dad, I think about how you continually, like, I think even just your most recent injury, you're like a man of miracles. I was talking to someone, I'm like, my dad is just like, he has seen so many miracles in his own life and around him and people around him. I mean, from having your accident as a child to then, having children, you know, not being told you couldn't have any children because of the accident, um, to then having three kids, to then having 10 grandkids. Like you've just seen miracle after miracle after miracle and things that you thought you couldn't do, you couldn't accomplish, you've super exceeded and and gone beyond. But it wasn't without you feeling the pain and feeling the suffering or the pendulum swing to like feeling your legs work together and feeling your eyes work together and feeling the shift. It's you, you, you have probably such great gratitude for the simple things bet you at seven and eight and nine, as you grew, you didn't take for granted the things that some of us might have taken for granted at that age, because you knew what it was like to be without those things.
1: Yeah. You, you don't really miss it until you don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. you know uh, I remember trying to and also I should mention I I had two surgeries one the first surgery was was where they removed a bone in my skull to give them access to do the repairs that needed to be done Uh then I went home and the mom and dad had to tie me up in the bed so that I would not hurt myself because the doctor said that any bump of any sorts, just the skin hanging over over top of my brain. That was all there was separating the world from my brain was my skin. Wow. And any tap or any, any hurt or any fall or any uh, sudden jolt would, could damage and then I, I could be permanently um, disabled again. But then I remember them tying me in bed and so that I, I couldn't move and, 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 and they only meant well. I mean, and, and, I, and I was in and out and couldn't really remember and couldn't really think as well as I should. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then they took me in for the second surgery. And, and by that time I, I was thinking a little bit more clearly. They, they, they were scared of infection. That's why they didn't install the metal plate. Okay. Then a couple of, I don't know what it was, a couple weeks later, uh, they took me back in and they did install the the metal plate for me, which I still have. Hmm. They screwed it all together and and that's how I've been operating now for the last sixty some years.
0: It's crazy it's been that long, hey?
1: Actually, it happened in 62 November. And, uh, and so it wouldn't have, it would be 60 years now in November coming,
0: out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel like when you think back on it, you can remember and recall so much of, the, of the, the things you went through very, they come so true and clear to your mind? Or does it feel distant?
1: There are certain things that, that feel clear and certain things that's that, that you look through as if you're looking through a fog. Mm-hmm. you know I remember I remember that when they were going to put that plate and I would I would pray and ask God to heal that bone up without putting the plate in because I didn't want to go for surgery again I remember that very plain mm-hmm. and you know and so uh, yeah I um, and, and singing was so much part of our family that mm-hmm. that we would sing we we almost sang through the whole situation and <laughs> And we made we you know uh, we made harmony, and, and, and that was so instilled and so born. In, even at seven, eight years old, I, I, I was singing tenor, and uh, yeah. you know, and my siblings were beginning to sing. And so it it was yeah. all together. You know, uh, uh, I think it was all orchestrated by God to to uh, you know to 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 see miracle after miracle happen in my life, which yeah. I'm truly, for you. Know,
0: and music seems to be something that a thread that's carried you through life. Eh? And probably through your parents and grandparents seems like music has always been a thing in your family. And even yeah. as we grew up, like we learned how to sing as little children and how to sing parts. And that was just part of it. And, and music has seemed to be woven through life um, and carried you through not just that seven year old um, injury and impact it had in your life, but through your entire life. Um, I would say like even when you went to you know, Bible school, I think you were singing with people then and it just seemed to be a thread that kind of wove you. Maybe it kept you like, maybe it's what kept you grounded, kept you close to God, kept you um, um, soft and believing.
1: Yeah, singing and, and certain songs happen at certain times or certain times, certain things happen when we're singing these these songs, you know. Uh, uh, and, and some of the songs are, are still very vibrant. I, I sang with the funk family, the singing funk family. Then I sang with the Chapel Quartet for 14 years out a warm mm. Saskatchewan. We, we traveled all over. And, and, and then between that, when I met my sweetheart, we were traveling with the, with the Nippon Bible Institute Quartet. So I have a lot of, a lot of singing in, the, in my past and hopefully in my future.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, it is something that that uh, is woven in, in, into our hearts and our minds. That that uh, you know, uh, singing together, and making harmony. Uh, a lot of people are friends. They will go play baseball. They play hockey. They play that. But not the Funk family. We we sing together, and we still do to this day. We make harmony together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Um so let's fast forward a little bit to this last year 2020 was quite a year for the whole world um and how it all unfolded but you had you know you at this point you've lived your life for so long like so people know you had a limp on your right side right because your right leg is um not doesn't hold the strength as your left leg does your left leg kind of looks like a tree and your right leg is more lean and doesn't have as much strength to it right so that's probably where you felt the most, um, like I'm, I'm, you can tell me, but felt the most changes like in your walking, like your hips and things have shifted a way to compensate for your injury, but your upper body, like your arms, um, and your, you know, your, th- your thought pattern never really, um, was affected long-term by that. It was mostly just your, your walking. Is that, would you say that's correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. My. My arms and my hands and, and, and shoulders—they—they they get more practice, more exercise. So you do more with your hands than you yeah. do with your feet, right? right. And and so, so uh, it, it took me quite a while to learn to walk again, and my balance. And okay, in in my prime time, I say from the time I was fifteen till the time I was. Uh, you 45 50 years old I, I I was pretty stable and I am on my, on my feet I I could do you know I, I did insurance work I have climb two three-story buildings walk six 12 eight 12 pitch roofs and and you know and I I learned to be careful and mm-hmm. and and my left hand side had learned to compensate where my right hand side would fall short right. so uh, you 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 do you mm-hmm. develop about a thought pattern that your brain automatically tells the left side to do what the right, right side maybe can't. So um, I, I did not let that stop me as far as work was concerned. Um, you know, I, I would do the same thing my brothers did growing up. I would haul wheelbarrows <laughs> of concrete. I would haul sheets of plywood. It, it, it didn't matter. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, but but now looking back, I wish maybe I had not done as much as what I did and maybe saved my right-hand side for the future more than I, I looked at it then, so. Right. but hindsight. Uh,
0: yes. Yeah,
1: hindsight. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what was your question again, honey?
0: Oh, I'm trying to remember now. I just was asking you, um, yeah, how the, your body, basically how it's affected your right yeah. side to your left side. I think mostly as a kid, I really never noticed Like you're my dad and you're like the first guy I ever fell in love with. So I didn't ever notice you were perfect. I didn't notice that there was any complications in how you walked or even that you might even feel insecure about that. Like I remember one time you saying, oh yeah, when we go to church or whatever, I try to find you not go too close because when I got to leave, I don't want to have to have people see me walk with a limp. And I never considered that as a child. I never considered what that might have felt like to me. You were just my dad and you were like the greatest dad I could have. So I never noticed and felt that insecurity that you might have felt, um, or even like even had an inkling what it might have been like to be a seven year old child, because me and my seven year old self or even my fourteen year old self didn't couldn't understand what that might have been like for not for only for you but for your mom. And mm-hmm. I don't think it was until I had kids that were even seven that I was like, wow, you were just little, like seventh grade one. You're just a small child, and to 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 have to learn everything all over again and to be a mom of other children as well and, and trying to, to take care of you. I can't imagine like the stress that that would have put on your on your mom, on your on yourself, on your self-confidence. Like who you are, dad is incredible. And the person that you are, like people that don't know you, you were just the most loving person and the most forgiving person and the most um, welcoming person. which I think is a total gift for somebody who's been through so much pain and had to reroute life in so many different ways and had to conquer words that were spoken that you wouldn't be able to do things or you couldn't achieve things or you might not be anybody but then to be like a a successful businessman to raise three great kids alongside mom to fight through and work through difficulties in marriage and finances and like The person you are is just it's it's astounding And, and you're such a like a massive testimony to people whether you're whatever your journey is like i feel like you can identify on so many levels of courage and resilience and dignity and hope and humble and love like you just you're all of those things um and like this last year has was really hard to see you go through something and now I got to sit alongside you in the midst of, um, uh, another alt- like life altering and shifting time for you. Um, and got to feel a little bit of what you, you might've felt uh, as a child. So in August, um, you had a really bad accident. You're working on some woodworking I think that's kind of where you found some of your like peace and just calm spaces like listening to music in the garage and like just you know tinkering around with wood and making some beautiful pieces and you had a really um abrupt shift in life that just kind of put everything on hold and probably brought some perspective to to you and to life and to all of us I think again um you can tell me about that because I wasn't there for that experience but um you're working in the garage, and then what happened?
1: Yeah, I, I was cutting a small piece of wood, maybe inch by inch square, about two and a half inches long. And I remember that this was the last piece I was going to be cutting for the day. And uh, the three pieces were laying on the side, and I was just pushing this through. I was looking at it, and I remembered as clear as day. I, I. I was looking at the board I saw it and I heard a bang and all I saw in my eye was black it was nothing nothing was I couldn't see the light of day and Lorna my wife had just come home she never comes home during the day but this time she just walked in with friends of hers and um, um, I remember going to the truck to pick something up, doing the cut and and getting this piece of wood in my eye and then going calling Alorna. And she said she heard it right away. There was something that she needed to attend to right away. And when she, she saw me and she said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, And what did you do? And I, I kept asking, is, is my eye still there or is, is it gone? Or, or what's, what's happened? Because I couldn't see, my hands were full of blood. My, my face was bleeding and so so it was um the pain was very bad mm. and so then the uh Kendra came by her daughter-in-law came by and my girl came by and she she said uh, it'll be okay then. you'll be okay so they phoned the ambulance they came to pick me up and then I, I went to see the doctor and. He says, We have options. We can leave it the way it is, and you might or you might never see again. You probably won't. Or we can do a surgery, and you have a 50 50% chance of, of uh, regaining some of your sight. He said, I don't know if you get it all back, if you get half of it back. I, I, I can't promise you anything. Well, I said, What would you do? Well, he said, I'd have the surgery. So then, okay, I said, let's do it. So then I came in and they did the surgery. He said, it'll take about half an hour, 45 minutes and we'll be done. The next day when he came to see me, he said it had taken over three and a half hours to get my eye fixed or repaired or whatever he had to do with it. He said that the retina was three quarters torn down or torn and um, the rest of the eye uh, but there was so much blood in inside my eye he, he couldn't tell what, what was going to happen mm. they tried to wash it out the best that they could but it was still and uh, then i went i didn't see anything in the eye it was i go to the doctors for 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 checks and they'd say how many fingers am i pointing out and i said i can't see no fingers you see Mm -hmm. double I I can't even see single never mind double Mm -hmm. there's no sight there Mm -hmm. so then they uh, well come back in two weeks or a week or three weeks whatever it was I forget already and then I'd go back and do the same thing you know what can you see I I can't see anything Mm
0: -hmm. and so he had
1: talked to me about about the token he said you had a very heavy cataract and you took your lens out, and it was, it was too much blood. We had to remove it all, and we're going to see if we can put a, a lens back in. But but we can't promise you anything. So um, and I, I kept I kept praying that God would make a way that they would put a, able to put a lens in it. But then I went on to the hospital to the doctor to see him around Christmas time, and I think you took me there, and. Uh, I had you and and Jody uh, on the phone as a doctor was explaining what was going on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, he he came out to to virtually say that you will probably never see any better than what you see right now, mm-hmm. and we 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 can't to put a lens right now would be, would be useless. And, and he he led me to believe that he didn't really want to see me again. This this was a final. Yeah, but no. I be, I begged him to. To to see you one more time, and I remember uh, you coming to meet me and uh, help me back to the car, and we held each other, we
0: cried. Mm -hmm. We did. It was hard to be on the other end of the phone because with COVID, none of us could go in with you, so you had to go by yourself. And be in that space, and I remember Joe and I listening. And after you had hung up, we talked, and he's like, "I feel like the doctor's just trying to like." does he knows the doctor knows that it's not going to get any better, but he's just like trying to satisfy dad by being like, okay, you can come one more time, you know, um, at just trying to appease you kind of, because there's this desperation in your voice being like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm and he was like, you can just re- re- resume as normal, but there was no normal to see to your life. Like you hadn't driven since August, this was Christmas now. And you hadn't because of your, um, your um, impairments with walking, It really created some difficulties with you um, not being able to see because your perception was so off. So you would sometimes lean for a wall and the wall wouldn't be that close. And so it would, you know, you were so, it changed your, the way you, you moved, it changed your confidence. It changed like your ability to, to work and to, to have any kind of independence. You, you, you didn't really even go for a walk by yourself because if any unsteady, steady ground, if you couldn't see it meant that you could fall and that could create more injuries. So it really would changed everything for you. Like those months that you were in bed, like let's not forget that you were in bed rest for what, six weeks, you couldn't move. You had to be, you were in so much pain. You had, you know, drops going into your eyes every couple hours. You were up through the night taking medication. There was so much pain management to try to, to try to, you know, comfort. You couldn't lay down on your back. You had to be elevated. Like it was completely like life altering so what I think when he said oh yeah just remain as normal just go on as normal I was like I'm sorry how what is normal he can't drive he can't there's so many things you couldn't do that it felt like a sentencing to being like and you can continue doing what you're doing which is so limiting to what you have known for the last 60 some years so I think when Jode and I were listening on the phone where both of our faces were just like and your hearts and your guts just sink and you're just like this can't be this can't be the reality. This can't be um, your, your, your truth. No, Ellie. Um, Sorry, Ellie's just behind me. She wants to come in. Um, But yeah, she, it was just, it was really hard for us to to swallow that. And he's like, okay, you can come one more time. And I think it was a month later that he said, or was it three weeks later? And, um, and so it, it was just something that we, we didn't know how to hold you in that and I remember coming out of the car and just holding you as you came out and you just sobbing your whole body just shaking being like no like this can't be the end of my story this can't be the completion of this story and so you know what you came home and I remember telling mom and her face just dropped and she was like she felt it too she was so sad because all this time we've been praying and and hoping and singing and believing that there's going to be a change and now it felt like this was the sentence that no you weren't going to be able to see and that meant that you wouldn't be able to drive or have a whole lot of independence and uh that was a hard thing to swallow for all of us I think and especially for you because you're the one that's most affected by it you're the one that's most limited by it and then you go for we're we're praying mom's like we're gonna see a miracle. He's booked you for one more appointment. This is not the end of the story. And you go back for your appointment in January. Mm-hmm. And what happened then? Because I wouldn't get to come that time. So tell me about that.
1: I, they, they checked my eye and, and uh, she, she put these uh, lenses in front of my eye. And all of a sudden, I, I could see it. I could see her face clear. And I said, I can see, I can see. And uh, she got all excited about it. And I was able to, to uh, tell colors, and I could see her hand. And, and uh, I could read some, some large um, lettering that they had on the wall. And, and, uh, and then, well, she says, go sit down, I'll, I'll, I'll send the, the report to the doctor. So, so I, um, I I come in and, and the doctor says, your eye has improved so immensely. Um, we're gonna do a lens for you. Uh, and I don't know how much better you'll be able to see, but it, it, it we'll put a lens in. And uh, so then, Then I had to wait a while. And, and, you know, my my eyesight, I was beginning to see more and more all the time, even without a lens. Mm. I I could recognize, somewhat recognize people if they stood close enough to me. (laughs) Then then, um, here, uh, what was it now? It will be two weeks this Friday that I went in.
0: Before you go there, Dad, how did you feel? Like, I remember, I feel like... We talked on the phone after you came out of that appointment how did you feel and let's let in being told that hey i think we're going to be able to put a lens in there because at this point there was almost no hope if he was trying and he said he believed in miracles but he wasn't seeing like when he saw you in december he said the problem ed is that the retina is thin is thinned and we can't do anything about a thinned thinning out retina the impact was so so center that when it hits you it it thinned out your retina which is something we cannot there's no surgery for that so we can't fix that part and without that being thicker a a lens won't actually stay in there it'll just cause more problems right so it was that the fact that the the retina had thickened over that three week period right right yeah okay so then you go in and he tells you hey i think we can put a lens in this how are you feeling
1: then I, I, I came out, and Jody came out, out to help me to the car, and I said, Jody, I am want to see you again. And we held each you know? We, we held each other and cried. And my emotions are sometimes more more felt by crying than they are for jumping and leaping inside my heart. I jump and I leap, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, yeah. So I was I was so so uh, so awesome. God had again.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm another miracle
1: (laughs) God had again showed up on my behalf and then he says we're going to fit your eye for a lens so then I went and got it fitted and then I was getting really excited because, you know, <laughs> yes, I, I would. So then they, I went in t- to do the surgery, and then they, uh, uh, they he, he banded it all up. And it was a big hunk of something hanging there. so you go home, a little backtrack. Really. He says, hour, the surgeon will take about an hour. And I got in at 11 and at 12 o'clock, he looked, he looked at me, he said, Elia, I surgery was a big success. Mm-hmm. So he says, you go home now and you come back tomorrow morning at seven, I want you at my, at my office. And then the girl that I went to see um, Saturday morning, excuse me, Saturday morning, she says, you won't be able to see much better right now, but it's gonna come in time. Mm-hmm. So uh, she took the band aid off and it was, was still pretty foggy, but you know, uh, and then on Sunday, I could see a little bit better. And on Monday, uh, for a whole week, there was improvement. There was improvement happening every day. Wow. And, and it, was, it was, you know, it was just a miracle. And, and, and even today, I got up this morning, I was up at 5.30. And uh, I felt something in my eye, and and right now when I'm looking at you on the screen, I can see your face, which before there was just a black. Yesterday or the not, pardon me last week, there was a dead space in there, oh, but yeah. that dead that dead space is reviving. I I have a cup over here, mm-hmm. and there's a, horse, a deer on there. I don't know if you can see it or not. Yeah, and yeah. And I can see that deer as plain as day with his eye. And, wow. and it, 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 it's just getting better. And so I am truly, truly grateful.
0: Wow, dad. God has ha- been so good to me. So good. Yeah. Have you found that it's changed the way that you walk? The sense of like, you're knowing, you're knowing your steps and feeling confident in that?
1: My balance is coming back. Yeah. Um, I can tell my distance. Mm. Uh, it sometimes it looks as if you're looking through 3D glasses. Is mm-hmm. the way my eyes are trying to get used to each other. Right. And So it, it is a little bit of 3D series, but uh, you know, it, it, it's getting it's it's improving pretty well every day. Wow. And and they've said that that I need should go for my prescription. I don't know, did he say within two months or four months? But he says, "Yeah, I will be getting better for the next eight months." Wow! So, so in eight months, if it keeps getting better the way it has been, I will have better vision than
0: I ever have had before. <laughs> That's incredible.
1: I am grateful. God is awesome. That... And and what I must say, you kids were so incredibly helpful in all the things that you did. You came day and day in and day out, spent the whole day. You know, attending to my eye drops and, and massaging my feet and giving me back massages and, you know, uh, doing, my, uh, doing my eye drops and, and getting my medication together. Uh, you and, and your siblings have had a big, and the grandchildren have had a great part in my healing up the way I have. And I want to thank you for it.
0: That mm-hmm. we wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else, you know? something when tragedy happens it's sometimes it's a unique thing about how it brings everybody together and I'll never forget the kids would be there at nights and they would be playing games in the kitchen and you just loved hearing their voices even though you couldn't be a part of that you were kind of stuck to your room for a month for weeks um just hearing their voices and then they'd come in and they would sing as they would leave they would sing from from sound of music so long farewell and they would leave you on this high note but you know what you brought them to like your incident brought everybody together even closer and allowed us to lean closer on each other and allowed us to sing it might have been a silly song so long farewell but music has been something that started through your entire life whether it's the harmony or it's just the plain simpleness of hearing the sounds melt together Um, you've instilled that into all of us and you taught us all how to sing and the grandkids have now fallen suit in a lot of ways. And, um, I think dad, you know, we did, we all were there, but we wouldn't want it to be anywhere else, you know? And I'm sure that your mom and dad and whoever helped your mom along her journey, helping you would have been said the same, like, and you would do, you've done the same for us. You know, you've been there for me when I could barely breathe and you held me and said time, baby, give it time and you saw me through some darkness. And I think that's what we do for each other is we hold each other when it's needed most. And we laugh in the midst of the times when there's joy. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that um, your life is such a testimony and just who you are and your presence, like I said earlier, is just, it's such a calm, comforting sense. You have been a father to so many people And you have been a friend and a brother to so many people. And it's just who you are. And you're I'm so happy we could have this conversation today because I really want to write your book with you. I feel like you have we've just touched on like just the tip of it. It's like the little tiny bits of ice off the iceberg that we've just pulled off. But there's so many layers to your story and so much depth and um what you went through even as a, as a teen. And when you had your appendix rupture and, you know, that surgery and and how that went and how kids you were bullied as a child and your story has so many different, um, you know, I think branches to it that it, it'll just, it it touches so many people's lives and I can't wait till we can actually carve out the story and carve out the telling of that and communicate that um, beautiful, you know, hard, raw, real, sad, exciting, rejoiceful, faithful, believing story that you have, it's, it's incredible. And I feel like I, the more, the older I get, the more I want to know about it, you know, I mean, even remember sitting with you at, in your, it was one of your tougher days after you had your surgery and you're just like, you know, I feel so much of my younger years flood into, um, my, my current situation I, you felt like, you know, so much of what you'd gone through, um, when you were younger was just of the past. But then as you were sitting in the space of like being told you might never be able to see again. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge altering. Some people can drive and some people can function with one eye, but because of your, your physical impairments, it was hard for you to, um, you, you couldn't continue on as normal. So there was no normality. So I think I remember you laying there and going, Jen, like, I just feel my seven-year-old self sitting here, going, oh, I've been here, like déjà vu," and I don't know if I can take the "you can't" this time. Yeah, that was hard.
1: Yeah, it, it was hard to, to, uh, but, but you know, uh, we as as believers have this this hope. And um, uh, if we don't have hope, we are, of all men, most miserable. Mm-hmm. And holding on to the promises that God has given you. And don't lose grip of what, of what you hold, are holding on to. Mm-hmm. And God is faithful. I want everybody to know that God has proven himself faithful to me so many times. Mm-hmm. And he will continue to be faithful. And, and even though, you know, we sometimes feel as, as if we have failed or, or, or haven't quite lived up to, up to our families or God's expectations, God is still merciful, and his mercies endure forever. And, and I want to give all the honor and praise to him.
0: Mm. You do, Dad, just in who you are. You do. You're an incredible human and you are, you set um, some beautiful um, truths about your story. You've set those out for the kids and for us all to see and to look to and to know. I think the one thing about the reason why I was so, I'm so compelled to like have these conversations and have people tell their stories is because I think it's through people's telling their stories that creates hope for others. I'm sure that in your journey, when you've gone through certain things, it's been the stories of someone else that reminded you that you weren't alone and that you could do this and that you could believe, whether it was through any journey you've gone through. And I think that's the why I'm so, um, why I feel this excitement and, 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 and I guess urgency, not urgency, but eagerness, I guess, to like hear people's stories is because it's people's, people sharing their stories that have caused me to to believe i remember when i was in a mental breakdown and you came to me and you said jen i've been here too and i was like i didn't know i didn't know that you had been there too and you said time give it time you shared parts of that story with me that that made me know that i wasn't alone that gave me hope <laughs> that the darkness it wouldn't consume me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so important that we share these stories because we don't know, um, who feels hopeless, Mm -hmm. who feels lost or alone. Um, And so I'm so excited that today you, you and I could have this chat and you're my first person. Um, to have, this, to have an open conversation with them. I'm super excited to share this with the world and whoever wants to tune in and, and listen because that it's powerful. And there's somebody else out there who might feel like they've just been given a notice of something and they feel hopeless or they feel down or discouraged. Yeah. And your story breathes encouragement. It breathes courage. It breathes hope. It breathes light. So... I am so glad we got to have this conversation. I'm so glad that we got to share tidbits of your story. There's so much more to come. We have a whole book to write. Um, and I love you with my whole heart and I'm so grateful that we have each other. And we have the relationship and the friendship that we have um, and all the amazing memories that have been that have come to this point and there's so many more to come so I love, you, I love you i have one question for you i okay. kind of wanted to end the conversation with a couple e- unique questions so one question i have for you was what is one thing this week that's made you smile like really smile
1: you know it's i've been smiling the last <laughs> two weeks every day because i'm seeing and maybe I'm, I'm 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 focusing on myself too much but but oh. i but i i am seeing more every day and and, and and if i can explain this somehow there seems to be strength coming into that eye mm. it, it, it's, so, it's so phenomenal this i'm beginning to be able to read and and you know and it's, it's just uh, an overwhelming uh, uh, gratitude and and, and and you know uh, prayer changes things Mm. no matter which way you slice it prayer does change things and that's what i've been holding on to the lord lord has promised us a good long life and i am here to live it
0: <laughs> that's amazing dad you're gonna be like your mom she's 90 years this year yeah he's got much yeah. more life to live much more life Go on to strong live Go on yeah, strong, yeah. Well, that's amazing. I am so grateful we got this time together and I thank you for making space this morning and pouring cup of coffee and hanging out with me and just letting it unfold as it did. I am so grateful.
1: pleasure has all been mine. thank you for taking the time, baby. I love you. You're very special to my heart. Love you too, baby.
0: Okay. Have an amazing day, dad. Keep smiling, keep seeing. Soon we can go for a walk. You too. Mm, Okay. Love you. Yeah. Let's (laughs) go. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.